This is Dr. Mubeen Sayed with one more episode of Long Story Short with Dr. Bean from the FLCCC platform. The talk today is interesting. There is a new study from Belgium that shows that if hydroxychloroquine is used in hospitalized COVID-19 patients, the risk of mortality compared to those who are not given hydroxychloroquine reduces by 35%. This is significant. So let's look at this data and the study. And because hydroxychloroquine, I think you are aware, became a drug that was started to be used in the beginning of the pandemic. Then came the Sergisphere study, a fraudulent study, which then caused WHO to pull hydroxychloroquine arm from their various trials that were going on. And that is then after that, it just became a taboo. So let's look at some of the history of this and then this new study. I'm not going to discuss the mechanisms. I've done those enough number of times and there are many of my videos that are available for that. This talk itself is going to be a little longer anyways. So I'll leave the mechanisms out. So first, let's look at the references. This is flccc.net or covid19criticalcare.com. And if you go to this site and then you write slash forward slash Dr. Bean, you'll be able to access all the long story short videos that we have done. I think these are now more than 70 videos. And I believe these are really important, especially for vaccine injury and or long COVID patients. This is a study that I'm going to be talking about. Efficacy and safety of in-hospital treatment of COVID-19 infection with low-dose hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin in hospitalized patients, a retrospective controlled cohort study. So one, it is a retrospective study. So let's just keep that in our mind. Secondly, this is a low-dose hydroxychloroquine. This is not the extravagant doses of hydroxychloroquine that can then cause a lot of side effects or the risk of side effects. So low-dose, regular-dose hydroxychloroquine. There are some more things over here as well that I'll go over, but let's start with my presentation. So this study is actually from Belgium. If I can pronounce the name correctly, the Groning Hospital, Cottridge, Belgium. And if you see here, the authors or researchers, Gert, Mius, Frock, Van, Hans, Patel, I would not <laughs> try to pronounce incorrectly the rest, but you can see they are from Department of Nephrology, clinical pharmacy, public health and primary care, radiology, anesthesiology, pneumology, microbiology, infectious diseases, and so on. So good work by very decent, very good researchers. So this was received 30 January 2022. And this data is pre-vaccine early COVID-19 data. Revised 19 June 2023 accepted for September 2023 and available online 30 September 2023. It is in Elsevier. Now, let's look at the highlights first. And why did I not write them with my usual handwriting? I wanted you to see what is written in there instead of having any possibility that I may have added or removed any words. I still do not have the whole paper right in front of me. I would actually suggest that you read that. So there are, of course, going to be a lot of things removed because I just took the highlights. So highlights, retrospective study of 3,885 patients, 352 in the treatment group, 
that were receiving hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin and some hydroxychloroquine alone and 3,533 that were receiving standard of care. Odds ratio for mortality in the treatment group was 0.635 versus control. This survival benefit was consistent in all age groups. So this is very important that the data stayed statistically significant when they stratified it according to various age groups. No torse depointees or malignant ventricular arrhythmias observed during treatment. And I took their discussion, one part from the discussion as well, where they said they were giving observations and they said, first, we found this. And then they said, second, treatment was found to be associated with a statistically significant 36.5% reduction of mortality. That is a huge deal. This survival benefit was present across all age groups and remained significant after adjustment for comorbid conditions and disease severity upon admission. This result is remarkable because treatment with hydroxychloroquine was abundant following the results of solidarity and recovery trial, which did not find a clinical benefit. And authors do talk about it that what may be the reason that solidarity and recovery trial did not find benefits. Let's continue to look at the results before we look at the history and then we look at the details of the study. Results. All patients who received at least one dose of treatment, so even if somebody got one dose, they included them, of treatment were included in the analysis. A statistically significant reduction in crude mortality rate at 28 days was observed in hydroxychloroquine group compared to standard of care. And what was the difference? 16.8% mortality here versus 25.9% mortality in the control group. And look at the p-values, 0.001, significant. After adjustment, so I'm reading the next highlighted part, although the whole thing is worth reading. After adjustment for these variables, that is the malignancies and the comorbidities, after adjustment for these variables, the odds ratio for mortality was 0.635. And look at the confidence interval, 0.464 to 0.875. Patients who did not receive hydroxychloroquine, patients who did not, so these are hospitalized patients. That means they had something going on that they are in the hospital. Patients who did not receive hydroxychloroquine had a 57% higher risk of mortality. A survival benefit in the treatment group was consistent across all age groups. 13 patients discontinued treatment due to side effects, 4 with QTC prolongation, and 9 because of GIT symptoms. No episodes of ventricular arrhythmia or torsade de pointes were recorded in the treatment. So their conclusion was, treatment of COVID-19 using a combination of hydroxychloroquine plus azithromycin was safe and was associated with a statistically significant mortality benefit in the treatment of COVID-19 infection in hospitalized patients. Our findings do not support the current negative recommendation regarding this treatment. And keep in mind, this is during the hospitalization. What would happen? So this is my part, this is not in the study. What would happen if hydroxy may have been used before? as a prophylaxis or early on if you were at home and got COVID. This is when the patient actually became severe enough to go to hospital and say, hey, there is something going on. So I want to give you some history. Even I got lumped into this history. I did the very first talk about hydroxychloroquine from a study, I think in March 2020. And soon after that, the attacks started. 
especially with after the sergisphere study that came in. So let's look at those things. So here is what had happened. So here, there is one more study here, again in Elsevier, low dose hydroxychloroquine therapy and mortality in hospitalized patients with COVID-19, a nationwide observational study of 8,075 patients. I believe this was also from Belgium. And this was, what is the date? October 2020. Then, do you remember that in May 22, 2020, there was a study that came in from Sergisphere before this study. Hydroxychloroquine was part of the recovery trial and the solidarity trial and many other smaller trials and many off-label uses were going on. Then came this study which said hydroxychloroquine or chloroquine with or without a macrolide for treatment of COVID-19, a multinational registry analysis in which these researchers, Sapan Desai, Mera and other, they said that there was no benefit. And they looked at 90,000 patients, so 96,032 patients were hospitalized and they used it and they said, interpretation, we were unable to confirm a benefit of hydroxychloroquine or chloroquine when used alone or with a macrolide in hospitalized patients. So this was a study. Then what happened was, I remember when this study came out, within three days, WHO stopped the hydroxychloroquine arms everywhere in the trials. And immediately, the whole world's press picked up this study and said, look, this is what happened. Hydroxychloroquine doesn't work. And it immediately became a taboo drug. I remember that before this study, when we would discuss my students, my doctor students or medical students who were in other countries, when we'll discuss the management of patients and hydroxychloroquine would come in, many were using it. After this study, whenever the hydroxychloroquine will be discussed I remember even doctors, my friends, my students would say, your own country does not allow it, US. WHO has pulled it. It seems like hydroxychloroquine was an incorrect bet. And then, look, it says retracted. Then what happened was the claims made here, I believe if I remember it correctly, the claims were that the data was taken from Australian hospitals. So people went to Australian hospitals or contacted them and said, hey, could we see the data and contacted these research workers as well. And the Sapan Desai, I believe, was the owner for the data. He held a company, Sergisphere, that was claiming to have worked with that data. He refused to give the data saying there is privacy issues, but normally you anonymize and you present the data. So hospital said there was no data. This is what is my recollection. I may be wrong. The Sergisphere company said, or their representative said, we cannot give you the data because of this privacy issues. The end result was there was no data to be backed up, to back up the study. So then, of course, as you can see here, this is Lancet. On June 5, they retracted this study. And this is their retraction statement. And this is the study that got retracted. June 19, WHO comes out and says, we have stopped hydroxychloroquine. On 17 June 2020, WHO announced that the hydroxychloroquine arm of the solidarity trial to find an effective COVID-19 treatment was being stopped. And they said that we looked at the data from solidarity trial and the Cochrane review, etc. And other evidence, this other evidence, I believe, is the Sergisphere incorrect or bad study. So then if you see here, I have these links present. But here is, for example, WHO's halts hydroxychloroquine trial for coronavirus amid safety fears. And if you see in this one, if you read it, it will be interesting 
that WHO has said it will temporarily drop hydroxychloroquine, the malaria drug Donald Trump said he's taking as precaution from its global study into experimental coronavirus safety. So the WHO's Director General Tedros Adhanom said in light of paper published last week in The Lancet, that was this paper, that showed people taking hydroxychloroquine were at higher risk of death and heart problems than those who were not, it would pause the hydroxychloroquine arm of its solidarity global. This was published 25 May. Bad study came out on 22nd May. I remember within three days, WHO stopped it. Then this is Guardian. Sergisphere government and WHO changed COVID-19 policy based on suspect data from tiny US company. And then if you see here, the World Health Organization and a number of national governments have changed their COVID-19 policies and treatments on the basis of flawed data from a little-known U.S. healthcare analytics company, also calling into question the integrity of key studies published in some of the world's most prestigious medical journals. Then here, who's to blame? These three scientists are at the heart of the Sergisphere COVID-19 scandal. This is science.org. And I think about it that, for example, here is this study that showed 35% reduction in mortality. Here is another study that also showed a similar number of benefit or reduction in mortality. Just by removing hydroxychloroquine, it may be that 35% of the extra patient died. Again, to be fair to the study that we are doing, we cannot really base our decisions on that. So my statement could become wrong. They say in here that our study proves a direction and there should be more confirmational studies to prove what we are proving or test what we are testing. So they're not saying outright that this is the solution, but they are saying that current negative recommendation is incorrect based on their studies and other similar studies. So here, if you see, this is a very good article in science.org. They talk about the statements provided by BWH Mehra said he had met another of the trio. So Professor Mehra is a, the first author for both retracted papers, was cardiac surgeon Mandeep Mehra, an eminent Harvard University professor who works at Bigham and Women's Hospital and is known internationally for cardiovascular medicine and heart transplants. He provided the kind of gravitas that can fast-track papers to leading journals. In a statement provided by BWH, Mehra said he had met another of the trio, so Mehra, Sandeep, and someone else, cardiac surgeon Amit Patel, in academic and medical circles, and that Patel had introduced him to Sapan Desai, a vascular surgeon and founder of Sphere, the tiny company that supplied the data. Then Desai publicly aspired to combine big data and artificial intelligence in a way that he said can replace randomized controlled clinical trials. That, I think, is a stretch. Patel once apparently headed cardiac surgery at the University of Miami Miller Hospital. Then Sapan Desai, Illinois court records show Desai is facing two medical malpractice lawsuits filed last year. He told the scientists that he deems any lawsuit naming him to be unfounded. So it is very interesting that this happened. And the result was WHO, I remember thinking that now that the study is retracted, WHO would come back and say, all right, sorry, we'll fix it. They never did that. Once it became a bad drug, it became a bad drug. After that, it was just people fighting with each other. 
some saying it works and others saying it doesn't work and both sides passionately attacking. So that became the outcome instead of actual scientific curiosity to say maybe there is something. And then I remember I had done this talk with Professor Dr. Tariq Kalam from Bangladesh who was also using hydroxychloroquine with azithromycin. So with this history in mind, let's continue with our discussion here. So these are just excerpts from this study about this history as well. And these are my additions to bring you up to speed with this history. So I just talked about it. Now, possible mechanism. I said I will not talk about the mechanism. So just a very quick note. The authors have written in this study that I'm discussing, apart from the synergistic effect on viral clearance from combination of acithromycin and hydroxychloroquine, several other factors may contribute to observed benefit. Both drugs act as immunomodulators, which may prevent the cytokine storm of COVID-19. The antithrombotic effect of hydroxychloroquine may also be useful in the context of COVID-associated coagulopathy and azithromycin can help prevent bacterial surinfections or superinfections. Now, please remember, we have done this many, many times about the hydroxychloroquine that there can be torsade despointes if it is taken incorrectly in large doses, which can cause heart attacks, even death. There can be retinal damage or vision problems. Usually, if stopped, it gets back to normal. GIT upset. And there are other side effects as well. So this talk is not meant to say, go take hydroxychloroquine. But this talk is important to see another piece of evidence that comes forward to say hydroxychloroquine is a good candidate in those who can take it. The researchers of this study say at in their conclusions or in their discussion, they say that this study is from the March 2020 to, I believe, May 2020. At that time, the vaccination status was nobody was vaccinated. At that time, the variant was different. So they said, what is the dynamic today? We do not know. So at least this is a data point from that time. How should it work today? There should be more studies. So this study, how is this study's design and the main results? The patient and study design. The study was conducted in AZ Groning Hospital in Cottridge, Belgium. Treatment was proposed for all individuals more than 18 years who were admitted with positive real-time PCR for SARS-CoV-2 RNA or CT findings with high probability for COVID-19 infection. Data were prospectively collected from March 16, look at the date, March 16, 2020, until May 2020, and were analyzed retrospectively. Study characteristics. So here, <laughs> these are the ones who are receiving it, and the blues are the ones who were not receiving it. Control. So numbers. The treatment group who were given hydroxychloroquine, 352. Control group, 3,533. This is a retrospective analysis. That means they looked into the hospital surveillance database and pulled these records, did the matching with each other, and then used them. When this was, so the data for treatment group, March 16 to May 20, 2020, and control group March 14 to May 24, 2020. Clinical status, they collected their age, sex, comorbidities, malignancy status, immune status, ACE usage, diabetes, drug status, and all that. Labs, 
they looked at of course their oxygen levels plus their inflammatory state and that is c-reactive protein remember we used to do c-reactive protein all the time ferritins d-dimers ldh oxygen levels were documented and on admission remember there was the cutoff that 93 i'm sorry i keep saying remember these are the the past discussions oxygen saturation less than 93 percent go to hospital a low dose chest ct exam was performed upon admission in 94.65 percent all patients were done an EKG because one of the side effects of the hydroxychloroquine is the QT interval prolongation. Age, look at the age. Average age, 69.7 years in the treatment group and 73.1 year in the control group. And you might say that, well, that means that these were 3.4 years younger and that is the reason for this effect. They have the table with the stratified by age and data stayed statistically significant for each age group. Secondly, and you would see that later on, even when this group was younger, relatively younger, they had more severe inflammation. So CRP levels were higher in the treatment group when they started the treatment versus the control group. Males were slightly more in the treatment group, 53.6%. Control group 47.9%. Remember with the alpha variant, males were getting more severe and higher age plus male, they were getting more severe outcomes. Clinical, more hypertension, liver disease and lung disease was in the treatment group. The 73.1 year, I should have written something else over here. I think it's a copy paste error. But anyways, more malignancies were on the other side, the control group. Malignancy... 5.4% had malignancy in the treatment group and 9.8% had malignancies in the control group. So that was going against the control group. The comorbidities were going against the treatment group. Inflammatory state was going against the treatment group. Smoking, 1.7% of the treatment group were smokers and 10.2% on the control side were smokers. Oxygen level, hypoxemia. 43% had hypoxemia, less than 60 millimeter of mercury in the treatment group and the control group 28.4%. That's a huge deal. Then inflammatory state, C-reactive protein, 56 versus 50. Adverse events, then once they started the treatment, 197 patients received, got the adverse events, mostly mild, mostly GIT, However, there was one patient who had hallucinations. There was another two patients. I do not know how to spell patients, so I wrote patents. Had skin rash. My apologies for that. QTC prolongation, which is the feared side effect, leading to tosset deportees. 15 patients had 4.14%. There were 13 patients who discontinued because of these side effects. Four for QTC prolongation, nine for GIT discomfort, one patient developed non-fatal ventricular tachycardia at the end of the treatment. Now, what was the treatment? Hydroxychloroquine, two by 400 milligram. So first day, loading dose, 400 milligram twice daily, and then 200 milligram twice daily. When I used to teach in those days, I used to say, just keep it 200 milligram twice daily or once daily, just leave it on the low side. And they gave it for two to five days. Standard of care for the control group and the table, there's a table number two that contains this data. Then they say that we started with hydroxychloroquine and then we changed it to hydroxychloroquine plus azithromycin. So what did they do? They added 500 milligram five days of azithromycin for less than 75 years of age patients 
and those who were more than 75 years, 500 milligram on day one followed by 250 milligram for the next four days. So study characteristics continuing. All patients without contraindication received treatment. All patients underwent an EKG as well. And then you can see here how they did further. Now results. Here this number is important. If you look at the table where it says death in all, 16.76% in the treatment group. On the right side, if you see, 25.93%. In the treatment group, 59 patients died within 28 days, 16.76%. In the control group, 916 of 3,533 patients died within 28 days, 25.93%. Four treated patients. There was a statistically significant crude mortality reduction of 0.6464. The adjusted common relative risk for mortality after controlling for age was 0.75. Treatment with hydroxychloroquine plus azithromycin was associated with a reduction in mortality in all age groups. There were no fatalities in patients younger than 45 in the treatment group. In both the complete case analysis and the MI model, and they have given that MI model was a multi-imputation model was used. So that is just the statistical analysis models. The beneficial effect of treatment was statistically significant. Look at the p-value, 0.0055. In the MI model and p equals 0.0046 in the complete case analysis, the odds ratio for treatment in the MI model is 0.63. And in the patients who did not receive hydroxychloroquine had a 57% higher risk of death at 28 days. Now, you know, hindsight 2020, I wish that bad study never came out and things could have been different. So then they talk about the observations, number one, number two, I showed you this early on as well, so I'm not going to read it. Now, this is the highlights of the study. I wanted to go over another part in this study, which I think is very important for you to read maybe separately. I'm going to just show you some highlights. Let's just quickly look at this table. That particular table was age stratification and the benefit. So if you see here, hydroxychloroquine is light gray and the other one is the standard of care is black. And if you see in all cases, in all age groups, statistically significant data is shown to reduce the mortality risk. So what they have done is they have talked about various objections that could be made to the study. For example, the first question probably in your mind as well, that why did they discover the other trial, solidarity and this recovery trial? They did not have the same benefit. So they talk about our results are in accordance with several observational trials and large case series reporting survival benefit, and they reference them. Other studies found no benefit, but often reserve treatment for severely ill patients. So they have one answer that I remember that hydroxychloroquine was given when somebody is really ill and then the chances became less. Secondly, a potential explanation for the discrepancy between the results in the observational trials and the large randomized trials may be the use of different dose of hydroxychloroquine. And so this is worth reading. We and others used a dose of hydroxychloroquine of two times 400 milligram on day one, followed by 200 milligram two times for day five days. 
This regimen was shown to achieve therapeutic drug concentration in lung tissue for up to 10 days after the treatment interruption. Both Solidarity and Recovery used a four-fold higher total dose, including a loading dose that exceeded the maximum labeled dose of 5 mg per kilogram by a factor of 7, seven times higher loading dose. It cannot be excluded that this high dose affected the results given the concerns of cardiac toxicity. And the premature interruption of the Brazilian study with a similar high dose regimen because of excess cardiac toxicity. I remember the Brazilian study that came out where they actually had the cardiac toxicity because they were giving, I do not know, it was 2600 milligram or something per day and people were getting arrhythmias. Other randomized controlled trials with low dose hydroxychloroquine were not adequately powered to demonstrate a survival benefit of the magnitude that was seen in our study. So the other studies were smaller. Then they say a retrospective study has limits. Retrospective studies are more prone to confounding than randomized controlled trials, right? So they're saying that, hey, it is a retrospective study, we agree. And our study is no exception. There were significant differences between the treatment and the control group, which may influence outcomes. We sought to determine to what extent these differences may be the confounders or the influencers. So now they actually go over. I would request you to read these. I'm going to go over some of them. The most critical difference between treatment group was age. As the treatment group was 3.4 years younger on average, so 69.7 versus 73.1. We were looking at, at that time, a higher risk of death 50 and above. So we're talking about almost 70 and 73 Yet the mortality benefit was consistent across all age categories, including octogenarians, making age as a confounding factor unlikely. The mortality benefit was also reported in early nursing home residents in France. Patients in the treatment group were less likely to smoke or to have malignancy and more likely to be male and were more likely to be obese, immunocompromised or to have atrial hypertension, liver disease or lung disease. Of these factors... So you could say that, hey, maybe this was the difference because of which there was a better outcome here. Of these factors, four, male sex, hypertension, liver disease, and lung disease were found to be associated with negative outcomes in multiple imputation model, thus favoring the control arm. Most of these were one of the top 10 reasons for somebody to die from COVID. And these were more prevalent in the treatment group. So control group actually was favored if you look at this parameter. Conversely, solid malignancy was more prevalent in the control group and was also associated with worse outcomes. So that is also a risk factor, but that was on the control group side. After multivariable adjustments for these and other comorbidities, the survival benefit remained statistically significant. This is important in many studies when you do the multivariable adjustments and try to align these variables and bring the data closer, the power would reduce so much that the statistical significance would evaporate. Here it stated, patients in the treatment group were more likely to present with hypoxemia and a high average CRP level than controls. Remember, they had more patients had lesser than 60 millimeter of mercury oxygen pressure and more had higher CRP or inflammation in the treatment group. Therefore, lower disease severity is unlikely to account for the observed survival benefit. And they keep going. All patients had received at least one treatment dose. Then they talk about ICU as well. 
Then they talk about another consequence of the consistent result of the treatment group is that it is unlikely that any non-ACQ treatment is responsible for observed survival benefit. So anyways, at the end of the day, their conclusion is our study suggests that despite the controversy surrounding its use, treatment with hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin remains a viable option. The favorable result and reassuring safety data support the need for adequately powered confirmatory randomized controlled trials using low-dose hydroxychloroquine plus azithromycin, low-dose. Given the pandemic emergency, it is reasonable to give this treatment the benefit of the doubt pending the results of the trials or the advent of better treatment options. So someday, if you'll say, I will discuss with you the kind of attacks I had received when I discussed the hydroxychloroquine-related studies. So with this, thank you very much. I will talk to you next week. Bye for now.